Hello from the Financial Times in London. I'm Leslie Hook, and this is the News in Focus podcast, where we offer our insights into the stories that matter. For the first time, we'll also be recording this for video on our YouTube channel. So welcome. Today, we're here to talk about microbial food. An extremophile is a microbe that can survive in extreme conditions. One startup in Chicago has found a way of turning these microscopic creatures into an edible protein, part of a growing trend towards a microbial revolution in food and agriculture. Could microbes hold the key to feeding a growing population? Here with me in the studio to discuss this is Emiko Terrazono, commodities correspondent and Clive Cookson, science editor. Thanks for joining today. Emiko, to start with, tell us a bit about this company and what it is trying to do. So Sustainable Bioproducts is a startup in the U.S. and it's turning a microbe that it discovered in Yellowstone National Park into protein. So they are going to use precision fermentation and they are going to turn this protein into alternative dairy and meat products like burgers and microbial-based cheese. Wow. Has it garnered much interest from investors? So overall, the search for alternative proteins is such a hot topic in food and agriculture these days and comes as increasing incomes in developing countries. And when populations become more rich, they move from carbohydrates to prestige products, i.e. meat. But people can't continue eating meat because of the environmental and there's also health concerns as well. So We've had the plant-based meat products like Impossible Burger and Beyond Meat. And the search is on for alternative sources of protein among entrepreneurs and scientists. And so, yes, investors are very interested. Sustainable Bioproducts has raised $33 million early this year from companies including Francis Danone and Archer Daniels Midland, which is an agricultural trader. So they've got some really serious money behind them. But what do these products actually taste like? Have you tried any yourself? When you talk about proteins, you'll have the protein, which is a source of the product, i.e. the vehicle for the taste. So I think the idea there is to reduce the taste of the original, whatever you're using, source itself. Mm. Like pre-protein, which is used in Beyond Meat, Mm -hmm. you don't want it to taste like peas. Yeah. So you want the protein to be pure as possible. Mm-hmm. With microbes, I have not tasted, well, it's actually not on the market, so I have not tasted volcanic microbial burgers. But the other use of proteins is as a food ingredient to enhance the taste of a certain product or change the way a product tastes. For instance, Impossible Foods uses a protein called heme, which is made from soy. And that is made from precision fermentation, and it adds the meaty taste to Mm -hmm. the burger. Wow. So how optimistic are you? I mean, is this pie in the sky, or do you think this is genuinely changing the way that we are going to source proteins in our food? Well, I don't think it's pie in the sky at all, because you already have corn, for instance. That is made from... Corn, not C-O-R, but Q-U-O-R-N. Yeah. And that is made from uh, mycoprotein, which is a sort of fungus. Mm. And that's been around forever. Clive, you know better than me. Uh, I think corn dates back to the 1980s. And it's a good thing to think of anyone who's had corn. It is, as you said, a vehicle for taste. Corn is grown out of single-celled fungus, which you can define as a microbe. I mean, the 
definition of microbe is somewhat stretchy. I think of it as any organism that you can't see with the naked eye as the individual cells, and you have to look down a microscope to identify them. That's so interesting. I mean, microbes seem to be having a bit of a a moment recently. And why have they come into the spotlight now? I guess spotlight might be the wrong word, maybe under the telescope. Under the microscope. Um, yeah, under the microscope, <laughs> yes. What's the wider scientific picture here? Well, when it comes to food, one of the most important changes of the 21st century in, in nutrition, and even I would say in medicine, is understanding that the billions of microbes, the bacteria that live in our guts, play a gigantic role in our health, not just how we digest food, though that's their most important thing, but even our well-being psychologically. The microbes within our body are vital, and therefore there's a big and growing industry to try and produce microbes, not so much as food, but to populate our guts with friendly bacteria. So that's a very big growth area. Another is that the microbes used to ferment foods are being extended a lot. Everything from kimchi to sauerkraut to the molds on our cheeses to beer and wine. They depend on microbes of one sort or another. And so using microbes to produce protein, I mean, could this be scaled up, used worldwide? I mean, are there inhibiting factors? Well, I think we have to remember that like all new foods, microbial foods don't grow on thin air. They will need a lot of input of water, nutrients, etc. So from the environmental point of view, they're not going to be completely benign. Now, they're probably going to be more sustainable than growing a cow, which spends a lot of its energy wandering around fields and belching and burping and emitting methane, which is a very powerful greenhouse gas. But I think those environmental questions need to be answered, and they haven't yet been answered by the new foods companies that are making not only microbial foods, like Emiko was talking about earlier, but also cell-based meat and fish products, where rather than growing a cow or catching a fish, you'll grow the proteins and the muscle and the fibers, hopefully trying to capture the texture and taste in the lab. Mm. And where does this fit into other types of new food technologies? I think they're going to be seen alongside these other cell-based foods. A lot of progress is being made in taking, for example, stem cells from cows or cattle and getting them to develop essentially into meat. And if you combine that with 3D printing, you can get something that's a good texture. I mean, that's one possibility. But Emiko might have some ideas of how they fit into the overall food industry. Well, my understanding is that microbials and fermentation will boost cell-based or lab-based meat. But I guess this whole microbial, fungus, bacterial activity, I mean, how will consumers really react to it? Is there a yuck factor, you mean? Yeah. I mean, do you really want to eat a microbial burger? Well, I don't know. A lot of people object to meat not only on its environmental health grounds because it's cruel to animals, and I don't think cruelty to microbes is going to enter the picture. 
I mean, remains to be seen. Sustainable Bioproducts CEO has told me that he wants to get a product out into the market, either on a trial basis or onto the shelves, at least in about 18 months in the US. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of a marketing strategy he takes so that's on sort that. of my next winter, Christmas 2020, we could be having microbial something on the shelf. In a uh, test market, I think probably market. not in London. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As a final question, I wanted to ask you both, do you think there's an argument that time and money would be better spent encouraging food and agricultural practices that are more sustainable rather than creating new products that sort of enable everyone to keep consuming in the same way? I think that's a really interesting question, but I suspect that the horse has kind of left the stable there. Consumers want convenient food that they crave. And also the newly rich developing country population, they also want that as well. They expect that. And on the other hand, food companies and fast food companies, you know, want to sell that. So can we continue killing cows and pigs and destroying the environment? I think an important thing, as in so many areas of life, is to have diversity. I think from a sustainability and health point of view, giving consumers as rich and diverse a mixture of foods as possible, whether they come from cells in labs or animals or plants in fields. I think that's going to be good. Yeah. Well, thanks, Clive and Emiko, and thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our episodes on Shakespeare's historic link to Merseyside, European rules on hate speech, or moves to impeach Donald Trump, you can find them on all the usual podcast platforms. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.